Go ahead and grab your Bibles and grab a seat and turn with me quickly to the New Testament Gospel of Matthew. By the way, good morning. My name is Josh. I'm the teaching minister here at Clear Creek. If you are a guest with us, we are so glad you're here with us today. And I want to welcome everyone in Overflow this morning in the cafe, as well as those who are watching online right now at Facebook Live. I know some people are sick this morning and not here, but they are here digitally. And so we are so glad that you're a part of what we're doing today. Now, we are about to come into the last of our four messages on this brief look at prayer, uh, specifically looking at the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. But before we get into that, let me give you just one brief but very important update an announcement for next Sunday. Next Sunday, church, we are going to begin our really multi-month long look at the Gospel of Mark. In fact, this is going to be about 30 weeks, give or take. You say, holy smoke. Look, where are you going to be other than for church? And we do this every week. We got to do something, right? So we're going to go through the Gospel of Mark. We'll break it up into three sections. But here's why. We believe that going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through books of the Bible is a valuable way to understand the big picture of what God wants us to know without skipping things that may be either uncomfortable or that may be unpopular. And so we want to go through it. And the Gospel of Matthew is the story of Jesus' life. It's one of four. And we're going to take much of this year to look at that, to live with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, and that begins next Sunday. Now, here's why I'm telling you. You need to be here next Sunday because much of what we talk about for the next few months will be set next Sunday. Now, if you miss it, you can go online, and we'll give you some options there on YouTube as well as podcasts, but, but there's something about being together that's very helpful. The second thing, I want to ask you, starting next Sunday, to bring one of these. What do you guys uh, call this? A Bible. Now, I know a lot of you guys got one of these, and you have a Bible on it. That's okay. This is a good substitute, but it's not a good replacement. Here's why I want you to bring your Bible. There's something about reading it here, seeing the context that is valuable and helps with distractions. I don't know about you, but there have been many times I'll be reading from here, and a little notification pops up, and now my mind goes elsewhere. And so I want to invite you to bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you come see myself or one of the staff. We will get you a Bible. But we want you to be able to read God's Word and to follow along as we go through this series. And um, I'll be reading primarily and teaching primarily through using the NIV. That's just one of the translations, New International Version. If you don't have one, you might want to pick that one up. That'll at least be where most of the teaching comes from. Third thing, next week everyone who comes will receive uh, this, a copy of the Mark Daily Devotional Journal. Uh, we've updated it from what we did in Colossians. We took the best of that, and we've added a few extra things. We've, we've kind of made it a little bit better for this series. This is the first of three volumes. We're going to give you one for every part of the series that we go through. And so if you come next week and want one, we'd love to give it to you so you can take notes, keep up with it through the week, as well as uh, get together with your group and have some material to be able to follow along with them as well. So that starts next Sunday, church, at 1045. I hope you will plan on being here. There's a story that Ken Davis tells about when Mike Ditka was the coach for the Chicago Bears football team. How many of you remember the years of Mike Ditka when he was the coach? 
Well, he tells the story one day, Mike has his team pulled together, and he's about to give them a locker room pep talk. But before he did, he looked up, scanned the crowd in the locker room of all the players, and he sees William the Fridge Perry. How many of you remember the Fridge? He's a big old boy, ain't he? In fact, it's hard to miss the Fridge standing at 338 pounds. You look across the room, even of football players, and you're going to see the Fridge. And so Coach Ditka says to Perry, he says, hey, I'm about to talk, but when I'm done, I'd like for you to lead us all in a prayer, and I would like for you to recite the Lord's Prayer. And at that, Coach Ditka begins to talk, and Perry begins to sweat. And Jim McMahon, the brash, outspoken QB, punches John Cassis in the shoulder and says, look at Perry, he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. I mean, look at the guy. And Cassis looks up, he looks at Perry, and he goes, well, he's just nervous. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. Surely he knows the Lord's Prayer. Well, a few minutes pass, and, and, and Perry is just losing gallons of sweat. He's got this look on his face of sheer terror, and finally, McMahon punches Cassis again and says, oh, no, he doesn't. He says, in fact, I will bet you $50 that Perry doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. Well, Dick finishes his little pep talk, motions for the team to be quiet, and looks at Perry and says, Perry stands up, clears his throat, and this mountain of a man with quavy voice, this quaky voice, begins to pray, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Just then, Cassus feels a tap on his shoulder, and it's the QB. He leans over and goes, I had no idea that Perry knew the Lord's Prayer. Here's your $50. Now listen, over the past few weeks, we have been looking at prayer, this dependence of God on God through our conversation with God, and primarily by using this prayer that Jesus taught us as sort of the model or the outline prayer. But here's the thing, while I really do hope that you've become more familiar with the Lord's Prayer, and perhaps you have learned the Lord's Prayer, it would be a sad thing if we only learned it. Because we learn the Lord's Prayer, hear this now, if you don't hear anything else, hear this, we learn the Lord's Prayer so that we can live the Lord's Prayer. Think about it with me for a moment here. Employers, you hire someone to do a job, you want them to learn how to do the job so they can do the job. Learning is for living. Parents, you have children. You teach them what is right because you want them to learn what is right so they can live what is right. Learning is for living. Think about it. Teachers, you spend hours crafting memorable messages for your students. You do what you can to give this compelling idea, press it down deep into their hearts so that they don't simply learn, but they can then live what they have learned. Hear me now. We learn the Lord's Prayer. And all that we've done has been to learn it so that we may live it. And so, this morning as we come to the final look at this prayer in this season, we're going to read it again. 
And I'm going to ask you, if you will, go ahead and stand with me right now. And I'm going to read to you the setup verses to the Lord's Prayer, verse 5 through 8. And then together, let us out loud say the Lord's Prayer, which is verses 9 through 13, okay? So I'll start, and then when you see the yellow verses, join me in saying them together. And when you pray, church, do not be like the hypocrites, those who pretend to be something when they're not. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. And, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him, church. This then is how we should pray. Will you join me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the whole church said, you may be seated. Now this begs a question, if we are to learn it, to live it, how do you live a prayer? That seems like an odd thing to say, living a prayer, how do you do it? Well listen, as Jesus' people, people who want to be like Jesus, know Jesus, love Jesus, here's the simple reality, if you want to know how to do something Look at what Jesus did, because Jesus lived the Lord's Prayer. And he did two things when he prayed the Lord's Prayer. There were two things. Go ahead and put this next slide up here. To live the Lord's Prayer, do what Jesus did. Number one, ask God to move. Ask God to move. Jesus repeatedly asked God to move in his moments before being taken on trial executed on a cross the night before in John chapter 17 he prays and he doesn't just sort of ramble he is specific he is intentional and he says God here's what I need here's what I pray you will do not my will but your will be done and he prays for his followers that God would give to them what they need because this is going to be a trying time You say, well, what specifically do we ask for? Well, we've talked about this over the past three weeks, but let me just give you a quick rundown from this passage. Three things. Number one, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. So you might pray, God, would you draw in all people in our city, our nation, our world to show honor to God in their lives, in their words, in their thoughts. Holy is our God. Number two, you pray that God's will and God's kingdom would come and be right here in Chattanooga as it is in heaven. And then number three, those three things give us our daily bread. Forgive us and protect us. So it's provide, forgive, and protect. Not just me, but but us. If you want to live the Lord's Prayer, you begin by asking. This week, we heard another story of God answering prayer in our church. In fact, um, I want to show you a picture, and Clint, would you mind jumping ahead to that photo for me? We'll kind of come back to this point in a second here, but I want to show you a picture. 
of this family here. This is Ruth Bailey, her husband Tony, and their grandson Joel. Now, Ruth is our very own Lisa Taylor's mom, and Joel, of course, is Dale and Lisa's youngest child. As many of you know, Lisa's mom, Ruth, had a, had a pretty significant health issue come up. Earlier this month, she went to the eye doctor for a routine visit, but they found some things that weren't quite right, and so she was referred to a specialist. She went in, tests were done, conversations were had, and the doctor was very blunt. He said, uh, you, you have a tumor behind your eye. And as Dale was telling me these details, he said, and the doctor in that moment on a piece of paper went ahead and diagnosed and said, you have ocular melanoma, cancer of the eye. And this is a serious thing. Now, it's not just that you have it in your eye, but you need to understand that Ruth's family history is severe when it comes to cancer. She has three sisters. All three have died from cancer. And so the doctor says, we're concerned that this isn't isolated So we're going to do a full body PET scan and see where else this cancer has spread to and just see how bad it is. And so the church began to pray. They they went, they did the PET scan. There was about a week, week and a half between when the PET scan was done and the results. And the church prayed. And Lisa in particular, I love this, Lisa prayed a bold prayer. Basically, God, I need you to show up. And I don't want you to simply work through the doctors, although you can. I don't want you to work through medicine, although you can. I want you to do something that is undeniably from you. So they get the results. Family comes in. The doctor says, good news. No cancer anywhere else. Just that tumor. Praise God. This is good news, the family thinks. Now, you need to understand, best case scenario was that it was only a tumor behind the eye. They would have to remove the eye. She would lose sight to get to the tumor. So at least we're getting best news, right? They said, so what we're going to do is we're going to run a test now. And to do this, we're going to run some dye, and it's going to go throughout. And when it gets to the tumor, it will stop. And that shows us where the tumor is, how big it is, and what we need to do. So they run the test. 30 minutes pass, the doctor comes out and says, I I don't know what to do. I don't understand it. But the dye didn't stop. It kept going. It it didn't hit anything. And so they began to look, come to find out. The doctor said, well, I I think all it is is there's just maybe a mass of, you know, uh, of vessels behind the eye. And that's, that's what it is. We can't explain it. And again... (laughs) they only go oh we can god answers prayer and so that's only part of the miracle story the other piece is that what you don't know is that ruth and tony great people ruth loves jesus tony is not a christ follower and so the family says hey we need to celebrate what god has done and so they they get together and and uh, dale's father who's a part of this church his parents they say hey let's sing some songs they sing a few songs and then they say hey let's let's say a prayer and we'll all pray together and And they begin to go around the circle. And they get to Tony. And he prays. For the first time in her life, Lisa hears her father pray to God. Now, does he believe yet? No, but he is taking a step because of the fact that God answers prayer. Church, when you ask, recognize you are not talking to the air, you are talking to your Father who hears your prayer. Amen? So if you want to live the Lord's Prayer, you ask 
God to move. And then the second thing, this is what's so important. Go back to this slide, if you will. Don't just ask, but then ask when God moves. Act on God's movement. You understand that Jesus, when he came, he modeled this brilliantly. He asked God repeatedly to work and to do things, but then he himself acted, worked, partnered with God. Go back to week one. We said that prayer is a relationship and a partnership. God wants us not simply to ask, but to ask. And so Jesus, in John chapter 6, and in verse, I think, 38, go ahead and put this up. Notice what he says. For I, this is Jesus speaking, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I have come to act, not simply to ask. And this is the pattern throughout Scripture that God works often, though, through his own people. Have you noticed? Just do a quick survey of the Old Testament. God sees his children in Egyptian bondage. Does he simply magically liberate them? No. He brings up someone, a man named Moses, and he works through a human to bring about God's good will. Now, God works because there's miracles, there's work through him, but God works through him. What about David? There's a giant by the name of Goliath. Did a lightning bolt fall from the sky, drop Goliath? No. Just a fist-sized stone from the sling of a young man named David because God works through his people to enact his will. Or what about Queen Esther whose people are going to be exterminated because of a plot by an evil henchman of the king? And so she works. She does not simply ask, but she acts. Hear me now, church. God often works through his people. We don't simply ask We act. It's like that silly preacher story, as if there are any other kinds than preacher stories. That silly story, you've heard it maybe. The man who sees the flood coming and the water begins to rise up to his ankles in his house. It's a doozy of a flood, so he begins to pray, oh God, save me, save me. And so just about that time, a little boat comes along and a man in the boat says, hey, hop in, And the man in the house with water now up to his knees goes, no, 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 you go on. God's going to save me. So the guy looks at him and goes, okay. He putters off in his boat. The water now is up to his chest. He says, God, save me. And just about that time, a woman in a larger boat comes by and says, hey, hop in, I'll save you. And he goes, no, 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 I'm praying to God. He will save me. And she looks at him and goes, and she keeps going on. At this point, the water's so high, the man has climbed to the roof of his house. God, if you don't act... I'm going to die. Save me. Just then he hears the whirling of helicopter propellers and he looks up and there's this team of rescuers and they say, quick, we'll throw a line down to you. Climb up, we'll save you. And he goes, no, worry about it. God will save me. They fly off. And the man drowns. And he gets to heaven and he finds God and he says, I've got a beef with you, God. Why didn't you save me? I asked three times. And God says, and I answered three times. I sent you a boat, another boat, and a helicopter. What more do you need? Do you understand that often God brings his kingdom to earth, his will is done, not simply by him moving around, but by moving through his 
people. So when we pray, your will be done, I ask, Lord, how do you want your will to work in my life today? When you say, God, I want your kingdom to come, how should I be a bearer of the kingdom of God in this place, in my work, family, friends, hobby? When I see people in need, instead of simply praying, God, would you give my friends their food? God, you've blessed me. How may I be the hands of Jesus to my friends and provide for their needs? We ask, and then we act. I think about another situation that I heard about this Friday night. We were having dinner with Steve and Sherry Campbell, just a lovely couple of part of our church. And at dinner, Sherry began to tell us about a great thing that happened. She's a part of one of our ministries here called Cry for the Broken. And, and the big idea is that they rescue women off of the street who have found no other way to support themselves. And she said, hey, we had a rescue this week. And I said, well, what happened? And earlier this week... One of our, uh, there's a lady who is up at the Walmart in Saudi Daisy. And she sees this young woman who looked distraught over by herself. And she goes over and she asks two things. Are you okay? And is there anything I can do for you? By the way, can we just practice this real quick, church? Let's just, let's just practice this together. Okay, two questions. Number one is, are you okay? Let's try that. Ready? Are you okay? Say, okay, good job. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here's the second one. And here's, can I do anything for you? Okay, here we go. Can I do anything for you? Two questions. She asked this young lady, are you okay? And can I do anything for you? And this young lady looks up and says, I don't know where to go. The place I was living, I, I, I don't have a place anymore. I've, been, I've lost that spot. This has happened. That's happened. I have nothing. I have no one. I have nowhere. I don't know what to do. And this woman says, I'll make a call. She calls Karen Brown, one of the ladies, a part of this ministry. And Karen begins to make phone calls. And she finds this one facility that has this great program up in Dunlap. And that very evening, some of the ladies from the ministry pick up this young woman. They take her up to Dunlap where she is right now receiving help and treatment. And by the grace of God, we pray, we'll get her feet set so she can move forward. The church of Jesus Christ is an asking church and an acting church. Interestingly enough, the history of the church, that little book in the Bible is called the book of Acts. The works, the activities of the Spirit of God in partnership with the people of God that if you want to live the Lord's Prayer, do what Jesus did, ask and then act. And I believe This city will be radically transformed, not because of how great we are, but because we have simply made ourselves vessels through which God is able to touch down in Chattanooga and spread and change and bless and transform the people of Chattanooga. This is the picture of living the Lord's prayer. Now, one interesting thing as I've been thinking about this is often... And maybe you're like me, you think, well, that sounds all good and all. But how do I do it? Because life is busy. Life doesn't always give me opportunities to pause and see where I can serve. So I want to give you this morning one little prayer practice. And in fact, it comes from the words of Jesus in this text. In fact, we we often kind of skip over these words, but they're very, very important 
It's the words that Jesus repeats three different times in verse 5, 6, and 7. When you pray. When you pray. Go ahead and put that up if you will. When you pray. Now I want you to notice something here. Don't have time to show you the context. But by the time Jesus comes on the scene, it was common Hebrew practice to pray at least three times a day. You say, Josh, where do you get that from? Look, for study later this week, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. There's the Shema. It means to hear. It was the prayer of the ancient Israelites. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And in there, it talks about how you will do it when you get up in the morning. You shall pray this prayer. And when you go to bed, you shall pray this prayer. Morning and evening. You say, well, where's the midday prayer, Josh? Well, very simply, in Psalm 55 and verse, excuse me, Psalm 55 and in verse uh, 17, David says, talks about doing it throughout the day or the midday prayer. So by the time Jesus comes along, this is the common practice of the Hebrew people. And it became the practice of the early church. If you're curious where I get that from, I'll show you sometime. But throughout the early church, they practiced regular, daily prayers. You say, well, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say, don't do it publicly? Don't do it this way? Don't do it that way? Yes. Just because people misused the practice does not mean it's a bad practice. And so they had regular prayers. You say, what does this have to do with living the Lord's Prayer? Here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. Sometime before you before you go to bed tonight, would you be bold enough to set a timer? Maybe you've got one of these little high-fangled things or, or you've got some other way of reminding yourself, but set an alarm, set a time, set a place. Three times, just for a week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Morning, midday, evening. Set a timer as a reminder to pray. Now, Here's what I've found as I have been doing this. This is a cool practice. Let me tell you why. The morning prayer, almost always, I'm at home, I've got my prayer time, or I'm here at the church, got my prayer time. Evening, same thing. But that midday prayer, that one has been amazing. Because here's what's interesting. My schedule is not so fixed that I'm at the exact same place with the exact same people every day. Rather, every day is a new day. I'll be with one person one day, somewhere else the next day, when the alarm goes off. And I don't stop. I don't say, excuse me, I I need to pray now. I mean, I don't do that. But when it goes off, it is a mental reminder that says, here, in this place, in this moment, you are to live. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. God, give the people I'm around what they need. Forgive the people around me. Protect the people around me. And there are moments where I am walking and the alarm will go off and I will see someone who needs food. And I'm reminded not simply to now ask, but to act. God, you are inviting me in this moment and reminding me that I get to be a kingdom bringer. I get to pray, and then I get to be a part of what you're doing. I get to pray and partner with you. There are other times you'll be in the office with grumpy curmudgeons, also known as co-workers. Anyone else? I I don't have grumpy curmudgeon. This is just hypothetical. You may have grumpy curmudgeon co-workers. And you may have days where they are difficult and frustrating. Can I get an amen from anyone who's ever worked before? Thank you. 
and you will have the timer go off. And in that moment, you will be reminded to pray, Father, forgive me as I forgive others. I, you know, I, should, I shouldn't hold the grudge against so-and-so. Yeah, he, he was late on this, but I shouldn't. And I know she had this issue, but I, God, thank you for forgiving me. Now, I will be an active participant in your kingdom. I will ask and I will act. There will be times where you are at school and there will be a moment where you are tempted to walk into a place, engaged in a conversation, gossip about a person, do whatever it may be, and that timer goes off and you go, and lead me not into temptation. Protect me from the evil one. You partner. So you ask and you act. Because as we ask, God answers. And as he answers, we act and we obey. This is what it means. Here's my fear, family. Let me just be real frank this morning. It is easy to come into a place like this and to look at the text and say, yep, I agree, good, check, good, check, and go home and nothing is different. If we do not live what we've learned, this has been a waste of your time. But if we, as disciples, as apprentices of Jesus Christ, will engage in what we learn, here's the beautiful, 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 beautiful promise. We may just get to see in our years together heaven touching earth in little pockets where you live and where you work. For as we ask and act, our God works. Amen. And so we're going to have a moment here to practice this prayer together in very practical ways. We're going to go into a time of prayer. We began this last week, and each week we will end our time in prayer. Some of our prayer partners are going to make their way quickly to the front. And as they are making their way to the front, they will be over here, here, and here. We would love to receive you in prayer. And as, as you're thinking about this, what does prayer look like this morning? Well, very simply, it can be a number of things. Prayer may look like you're asking God for these things to help you or others with finances. You may say, God, I, I'm, I've got more money than, or more month than money. I need help. Or maybe it's relationship. Or maybe you just, you come forward today, you say, I need to do what my buddy Brian and Aubrey just did. Wasn't that cool, church? Two brothers and sisters on earth biologically now forever and ever in the kingdom of God. Maybe that's you this morning, or maybe today you just want to celebrate good news for yourself or for others. Maybe something has happened. Maybe you've had a healing. Maybe you've made it through another tough week, and God is still with you. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or repent. Maybe you need to ask for strength to avoid sin, whatever it is, whatever it is. We would love to pray for you, and you need to know this is a private moment with you and the one with whom you pray. We're not going to share it publicly afterward. But if you will draw near to God, the promise is what, church? He will draw near to you. And so we're going to pray. I'm going to invite you to stand. We'll sing a couple songs. We're going to prepare the room to prepare our hearts. And as we do this, would you join us in asking and in acting out the Lord's Prayer? It is good to know that no matter where we are, what has happened, God hears us. Amen? 
I'll tell you, one of the most beautiful moments for us as a body and for my wife and I is not even being here, but just seeing the way that this church loves on each other. This past Wednesday night, a sweet couple mentioned something coming up and just the concern they have with what they're about to face. But then with almost no breath between that statement, the comment was made, but I am so glad we are a part of the Clear Creek family because this church loves each other. Thank you for loving one another and showing Jesus to one another. This week, family, let's live the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray together. Let us ask him, knowing that he is faithful to hear us and act in the most perfect way. And then let us follow him into our week and act on what he leads us to do. May God bless you this week. You are dismissed.